Hi, this is Carrie Life Art and you are listening to podcast Body is a Temple in this episode. We have the responsibility to change and to improve our health and our ways and our mind. But some people are so stuck to spirituality that they're kind of obsessed with it. Anything in excess is not good, right? So often with religion, that can be the case as well. And so the whole temple, religion, but the body is definitely a vessel that we need to take care of, that we need to optimize. Um, but it goes further than the body. It's the mind, it's the spirit, it's the soul. Um, you know, I believe in reincarnation. I've done past life regression therapy. I've read books by Dr. Brian Weiss on uh, reincarnation and past lives and how we repeat patterns, right? The soul also repeats patterns to learn different teachings. And so it's more than just the body, which is a temple. It's just the whole spirit and the whole soul. Mm-hmm. Holistic. Hi, this is Kari Life Art and you are listening to Body is a Temple podcast that will motivate and inspire you to live longer and look younger. Enjoy the show. Hi guys, welcome to the episode number 51 of Body is a Temple about neurohacking, a conversation with Ian that took place in Tulum. I am still in Guatemala. Uh, If you heard my last episode, I was uh, sharing with you that I got super sick on my trip over here. It's the first day when I'm uh, feeling fully alive. Uh, It's been a week since I came here. It's really beautiful. However, I also get an opportunity to be on Vipassana meditation in California and I'm going to actually decide till the end of the day if I'm going, but um, yes, I feel I want to go and I want to do it. Uh, if you haven't heard about Vipassana meditation, I'm just going to tell very quickly that this is a 10 day um, silent meditation where you are not talking with anyone for 10 days. And a couple of things at the very beginning, of course, about my partners. But uh, I also want to share something with you. My Instagram account was deleted. I'm not sure at this point if I am going to be able to restore it. Uh, It's really interesting times for me this month and the the end of July. And I've been building um, very hard. my image over there and my audience and my contact with my listeners also of podcast buddies at temple and people who are following me and it's just all gone you know in the matters of overnight actually kind of and i feel this vipassana meditation it's a very good um opportunity for me now to rethink on how i want to show up in this digital world with my message and um, with my podcast and with the social media and how how I wanna yeah how I wanna show up to the world with this one. So um, if any of you have any ideas about how I can 
um, grown my my audience uh, my podcast body is a temple and if you want to help me uh, the only way uh, to reach me now is through whatsapp or through my email which is kari.live.art at uh, gmail.com and before I'm gonna tell a couple of things about the po po podcast partners and sponsors I want to tell that the biggest support that you can do to me is just by leaving the comment by reaching me through um, through the email by um, writing a five-star review on iTunes if you're listening on iTunes um, by just yeah like um, at the moment actually only through the email as Instagram is not working on through the WhatsApp so in the show notes you will see for sure uh, my email address if you want to reach out uh, please feel free to do it. Your feedback really means a lot to me, especially in, I feel this is very difficult month for me because many things that I believed, they just felt apart, really, um, really a lot, you know, August, uh, end of July, mm, new Mayan calendar, like really, I feel a new world starts and, and I'm, very uncertain about the the future and what I want to do and um, who I'm going to spend my time with or where I want to be. So any of the warm words as my listeners are really, really important for me. So really feel free to reach me through email or WhatsApp and just share how did you like um, any of the story that you're listening to on Body as a Temple. and. If you treat your body as a temple and talking about treating your body as a temple, I think it's a good a moment to talk about uh, my partners because they are truly uh, brands who are supporting this, um, this vision of treating body as a temple. And uh, first of all, um, the plant-based nutrients that are my favorite Neurohack and biohack, which is energy beats, and I'm talking about tablets made of algae, spirulina, and chlorella. And of course, in the show notes, you will find the link to my favorite brand, Energy Beats, and the discount code for 20% off Curry Life Art. So, this is my first and forward, most forward partner that I am working with kind of uh, from the beginning of the podcast and uh, interview with the founder and CEO of Energy Beat, Catherine, is episode number 15. So if you are interested about why I am so fascinated about this particular brand that is making algae, you can listen to all the details in this episode. And the second partner, my online courses, they are still available. I'm super happy about that, uh, especially connected with making a split and fixing your lower back. And through my um, lots of time in Tulum and my researches and my learning, I really develop really, really amazing um, technique that will help you to fix your lower back pain, make a split and maintain what you achieve through these courses. So check it out. Uh, link is in the show notes. 
and I have two more partners. One is connected with making your sleep amazing. It's a chili sleep that uh, makes chili pads that helps you to have the optimum temperature during the night. And in the show notes, there are a couple of discount codes for different products. And this is a true biohacks that I was saving my life in Mexico when it was really tropical weather and super hot. And the sleep, if you are a biohacker, if you are interested in health, is the most important thing. Right after breath, right after the water, sleep, you can live without food for days, you know, long time, but not without sleep. So really pay attention to this and and make it um, and make it um, make it good quality. And my last partner that is making crush-free coffee <laughs> full of shrooms, and not only not only this kind of coffee, for Sigmatic and the discount code for them, Kali Life Art will give you 10% off. And I am super excited about this brand because they are having truly organic products um, and I'm a coffee drinker and this is my guilty pleasure. So when I am using day coffee, I feel guilty free, really. So those are the couple of words of my, uh, about my uh, partners. Um, I hope you are interested in uh, checking them out in the show notes. And in the meantime, I am inviting you for this very interesting talk with uh, Ian about neurohacking. Enjoy the show. Hi guys, welcome to Body is a Temple, uh, another episode. And my guest today is Ian, and we're gonna talk about neurohacking, correct? (laughs) Awesome, thank you, welcome to the show. Thank you. Uh, so always my first question is, can you tell your story to the audience? Like, how do you end up with uh, being a neuro, neuro hacker? <laughs> sure. Um, so I studied biochemistry in university and then worked in pharmaceutical sales and medical equipment. Natural pharmaceutical sales, actually. It's quite difficult to convince doctors to use natural products, but you know, there I was. Why, actually? <laughs> uh, just because of the way that they're... Their training is structured, um, and they don't learn about natural products. Like in Germany, Germany doctors have a six-month naturopathy segment in their med school. Not in North America. I'm from Canada, and so I remember a doctor told me, "Why don't you go with a real company? They start selling some real meds." Yeah. But the products that we had had scientific studies, and specialists like gastroenterologists were promoting them. So they were so happy that there was something in their toolbox. But GPs, family physicians, were like, ah, I don't know. Yeah, sure, leave the study. I'll read it, and it's not so serious. <laughs> mm, that's very interesting. I want to come back to this one later, but keep yeah. going. <laughs> so I worked in pharmaceutical sales, medical equipment, and medical skincare, and uh, I worked for a multinational where I had a, a challenging boss. He was driving all of us crazy, and uh, somebody that I was complaining to, my friend's wife, who's a yoga teacher told me um, that it might be good for me to do Vipassana. And I said, what's that? She said, it's a 10-day silent meditation retreat. I go, oh, me? Silent? 10 days? I I don't think so. (laughs) She says, well, people who are are always going 100 miles an hour like you do, um, never take the time to introspect and change. And if you're wanting to change something, like handling your emotions, 
then this might be really beneficial for you. And I said, that's not crazy, actually. And I started thinking about it more, and I asked some of my spiritual friends if they had done it. And the ones that I found that did do it said amazing things about the experience. And so there I went, registering for Vipassana, did the experience. But since I have a scientific mind, I wanted to study the science of the subconscious mind, the conscious mind, and the, 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 the body, the nervous system. And so a couple of trips later from India and uh, several courses, I created this neurohacking course that I first um, oriented to the corporate world in Canada, uh, just to be able to manage the nervous system and avoid uh, burnouts and other issues, medical or health issues. And it converted to this neurohacking course that I do here in Tulum, and I'm working on a book and maybe recording some courses. So... Um, it's yeah, can you actually uh, explain what does it mean, neurohacking? So there's biohacking, neurohacking, it's kind of the same. It's just uh, neurotransmitters are biochemicals. So it's just a way to understand how your nervous system works and how to optimize its functioning so that you have proper health. So you control willingly the neurotransmitters and the hormones that your body produces through different techniques, which are the techniques that I share and explain the science behind the techniques so that people can take charge of their nervous system and their epigenetics and their health. Okay, so now what are the steps to ne neurohack <laughs> your health? Well, just as a hacker in computer systems knows how the software and the hardware work, they can hack their way around that technology. Our body is also a technology, but nobody knows really how it functions. Doctors do, but the general public doesn't. And I think this is information that we should all know, at least the basics of it, how the nervous system works, the autonomic nervous system, the sympathetic, parasympathetic nervous system. Uh, I usually say P, parasympathetic with peace, and sympathetic system with stress. And if you know the, the difference between these two, then you'll know how to switch from one to the other willingly, as opposed to it being automatic from the subconscious mind that controls things like your respiration, your digestion, digestive process, and whatnot. Interesting fact about the sympathetic nervous system, the etymology of sympathetic in Greek, sim is with and pathos is emotion, so with emotion. So when we're in the stressed fight or flight system, whereas uh, an animal is about to eat you, you're with an intense emotion and this activates your bodily functions to save you from that danger. And uh, do you think that we kind of live in the state um, now in the modern world like too often way too much way too much the stress is is literally killing a lot of people but if you think about it a burnout is a blessing in disguise because it's much easier to get that wake-up call and then reform your life and your health as opposed to getting a cancer which is much harder to beat it's possible but it's harder so a burnout, if you're open to change, you use that as a signal and you start bringing change in your life. You start meditating, doing yoga, maybe you leave your job because it's not the optimal job for you and it's not the greatest condition or you're surrounding your boss. So the, the thing is, in the past, we were equipped with this nervous system as an evolutionary tool to protect ourselves when we were hunters and gatherers and it was an animal that was about to eat us, whether a lion or... I'm Canadian, so I'll use bear. <laughs> this bear is about to attack you, and so you can defend yourself, and then you go back to the village, and then you calm down. But now, it's not once a week or once every two weeks that you have this episode. It's every day, 
for eight, nine hours a day. You have objectives, you have meetings that you don't want to attend, you have a boss that gets on your nerve, you have colleagues, then you go home and there's, all, there's this dy dynamic with your, the people you live with, whether your family or your spouse. And so people don't really know how to handle the nervous system. And so knowing about it can help us hack it. Yeah, absolutely. My uh, background is also many years in the corporate world and no one was talking about how important it is to find the time for recovery, regeneration and people were going from stressful work to the vacation, which were usually also stressful because there were flights, there was like organizing stuff. And I was feeling that even on my vacation, I'm rushing everywhere. So even though I'm not at work, you know, I'm in another stressful situation. And it took me many years to understand that switching off myself is a real recovery as you said mm. meditation or going to sauna or going to massage just like finding the way where i can really li literally turn off my phones and not do anything and be happy about that because for many uh, years i was also thinking that when i'm not doing anything i'm wasting my life i'm wasting my time uh, but let's go to how to uh, neurohack your health like what are the ways to do that like I, I said about we, we talk about meditation right now and things like that but what is in your toolbox of of this process so respiration is key right mm -hmm. the breath and uh, some people realize some people don't that every emotion uh, not only has a biochemical associated to it so stress will be cortisol fear will be adrenaline love oxytocin um, pleasure will be dopamine but not only every emotion has a biochemical it also has a respiration rate associated to it so let's say you're fed up how do you breathe like shallow and slow and like heavy <laughs> or many people also sigh right yeah sigh. it's yeah. like you don't do it intentionally but the nervous system does it for you you're just mm -hmm. fed up you're mm -hmm. just tired you're just not interested and so that's one emotion one respiration if you're in love long and mm -hmm. subtle you can't even tell that you're breathing it's so calm and peaceful mm -hmm. almost as if you're sleeping if you're stressed much faster and shallower yes right so these are three emotions three respirations and if you're not aware of that respiration then you are kind of consumed by your emotions by your nervous system by the biochemicals and the biochemicals of stress acidify your blood and so this causes inflammation and causes disease so if you can know this then you can hack it to optimize just by being aware of your breath and which breath pattern are you engaged in you use a tool to have an emotional reset to cut that loop because otherwise you get in this loop of like thinking and feeling thinking and feeling and you're having the same breath and actually i think that's why the body sighs when you're fed up because you're in this stressful breath pattern and then the body wants to look out for you and it's like let me reset the breath so and then you start breathing a little more normally. Yeah, so do you recommend like to do breathing exercise every hour, every day? Like how, how we can use that knowledge? Everyone's different. Some people meditate once a day, some people meditate twice a day. Some people will just check in with their breath every hour and kind of like do a three deep breaths to kind of reset the breath pattern. You know, if you know that you're engaged in the fight or flight and you're stressed, you're at the office, or you just had like three espressos in like an hour? <laughs> I think last time when I met you on the lecture, you said something about checking on a breath when you 
opening the door. And I really like it because that's a very simple thing that you can implement right away. Right. <laughs> so I shared some tools of checking with the breath. Yeah. So let's say you're at the office or wherever you are and you have this short, shallow breath, but you're not even aware because you're so engaged by the stress that's consuming you, like the objectives or the, the task at hand. So every time you sit down, it's a good opportunity to check with your breath because you're going to sit down many times during the day. Okay, I just sat down. Before I engage in the conversation or the work I'm about to do, let me check how my breath is. Then you become conscious of how your breath is. You become conscious of which nervous system or branch you're engaged in, and you know which chemicals you're producing. Is like, okay, I'm a bit stressed with this breath. Let me... Right? Break that pattern and have a calm nervous system. And then you can sit down and focus on your work. Mm-hmm. And I would suggest that people who smoke they have a trigger every time they get stressed to have that cigarette and what do you do when you smoke long inhale long inhales you've just changed your short shallow stressed breath to a long inhale and exhale for five minutes or whatever time it takes to smoke a cigarette right mm-hmm. so you're you're changing the nervous system. of course there's chemicals in the cigarettes that will induce a trigger and make you addictive make you addicted but Changing the breath pattern changes your nervous system and this calms the people down and then they get that reward and that dopamine and then it changes your biochemistry and it changes your emotional state. Yeah, absolutely. For me, working with breath is challenging even though I've been practicing um, different breathing techniques when I was learning a cold therapy also with the Wim Hof method, but it's always so uncomfortable for me like to kind of like intentionally you know for example do one round of the Wim Hof method like I feel super stupid you know and I need to push myself a lot to do that because I feel awesome after you know and how would you recommend for people to like who are also like thinking it's silly like how why should I check on my breath I'm, I'm just breathing you know like it's going automatically like why should I pay attention to this like how would you try to convince them to like just do some maybe a little bit of experiment once a, once a day, once a week to kind of start to be familiar more with this? It's just being curious and knowing how the system works. This is how I end up where I'm at, I'm at now. It's just being so curious and understanding how the system works, making the associations with the breath and the emotion. Um, and when people understand the consequences of not being aware of your breath and which nervous system branch you're engaged in, epigenetics and disease, this is where usually people will say, okay, I want to meditate. It's not like I got to meditate, like I have to meditate, like I want to meditate because I understand the consequences of not doing so. Whether it's emotional intelligence or epigenetics, inflammation, disease, potential cancer or heart attack. Um, a lot of people who are younger you know, don't even think about a heart attack because it's what happens to people who are in their 50s and 60s. But it's, it's quite common. It's one of the, the leading killers in North America, right? And in, in the Western world. And so being aware of this and, and controlling your, your emotional state, uh, then you start seeing the, the results. So the, what I hadn't finished earlier was when you sit down, you can check your breath. When you open a door, because many times during the day we'll open doors, so we're like, oh, I prefer that one than sitting down. So every time I'll open a door, I'll check how my breath is. And the third one is when you drink water, because we drink water every day. And when I drink water, I recite the Ho'oponopono meditation, which is uh, not necessarily towards somebody. It can be, 
of the moment or towards yourself or in general. Uh, I'm sorry. Forgive me. Thank you. And I love you. Or I just love, right? So that you experience love, gratitude, humility, and forgiveness. And these are all positive emotions that, as I mentioned, the emotion and the thoughts are linked in this loop. And then these are not material. However, they have their chemical associated to it. So they become chemical or they become material. So if you could change your thoughts every time you drink water, you're thinking these emotions, you're thinking these thoughts, you're changing your emotions, and then you optimize your biochemistry. So that's a form of neurohacking, for example. Yeah, and uh, after your last lecture, when you said about that, I also started to do that during drinking water. And yeah, it shifts your emotions instantly. It's so nice, even if I say it in my mind to myself, it's just like makes me feel much better. Mm. <laughs> so if anyone listened to this, I also can recommend that. Um, all right, let's go to another thing. <laughs> Sun gazing. Sun gazing. That's oh. my, probably my favorite neurohacking technique. A bit like when you do sports, you feel the endorphins in your body. You feel there's a change going on. You just feel like chills in your back or you're just empowered. You feel more energized. You feel happier. Uh, when you sun gaze, which people are like, what? Sun gazing, staring at the sun? That sounds crazy. And the first few times that I heard this, I also thought it was crazy. But I think after three times, I'm like, this is the third time this pops up in my radar. Let me look into it. And I started researching it, documentaries, articles, um, the science, the neurology of your body. And so it makes a lot of sense. And this is why all of the ancient, um, the ancient cultures did this. The Incas, the Aztecs, the Mayas, the Egyptians, the ancient Egyptians, the yogis, they all did sun gazing because they recognized through wisdom of the past and their ancestors that it would balance their neurology. So what happens is that first there's, we have to know that there's a safe way to do sun gazing because it can be dangerous. Of course, it's going to be dangerous if you do it at noon, right? The first hour of sunrise. And one more thing, we should do it without sunglasses. With no sunglasses, because even if you're doing it in the safe hours, which are the first hour after sunrise or the last hour before sunset, if you're wearing sunglasses, it'll intensify the sun rays. Mm -hmm. And so you start off the first time by doing it for 10 seconds, the second day, 20 seconds, and the third day, 30 seconds, and so on. You build your tolerance and you build your, your confidence. And what that does is, in the morning, the circadian rhythm functions with serotonin and melatonin. In the morning, when you open your eyes, in the morning, when you're asleep, you're producing melatonin, the hormone of sleep. You open your eyes, the light hits your visual cortex, it sends the signal to your brain to make the conversion from melatonin to serotonin. And then during the evening, when the sun sets, provided that you're not on technology, because technology's blue light confuses the brain, in that conversion, it postpones it. It's still daytime, even though it's 10 o'clock at night, 11 o'clock at night, it's still daytime. Mm -hmm. Let's make the conversion to a later period. And so normally after sunset, the serotonin starts to convert to melatonin, right? And so this starts to change your brain waves and it starts to prepare you for sleep so that you can enter deep sleep. And some people will say, well, I'm on my technology, but I have no hard time falling asleep. People shouldn't confuse REM sleep with non-REM sleep. So if you're really tired, you may fall asleep right away at midnight, let's say. But if you're on your cell phone from 10.30 till midnight, then the restorative sleep will take a longer time to come into play. Right? And so this is why it's important. So 10 seconds, 20 seconds, 30 seconds, and so on. And so I was explaining that 
whenever your body comes into contact with light, whether it's your skin or your eyes, there's an energy transfer from the sun, the electromagnetic rays. Hits your skin, you start producing vitamin D and we're healthier. People who lack skin uh, or, or sun on their skin have several issues like osteoporosis, for example. And it's interesting, when I used to live in Dubai, I heard that like the locals had the highest rates of, uh, of that disease because they're always covered. Both men and women in the Gulf have long sleeve clothes, right? So they're not getting enough sun, even though there's just so much sun in the Gulf, right? Mm -hmm. In Saudi Arabia and Qatar, all of those countries. And so for the eye, same thing. There's this energy transfer when the electromagnetic rays of the sun hits your retina. And so your body produces more serotonin than the average. And then in the evening, you'll have more melatonin because serotonin is the precursor to melatonin. So this is the idea in the science of sun gazing. Mm -hmm. And then this way you can have such, such benefits as optimizing your metabolism because serotonin and melatonin have an inverse relationship with cortisol and adrenaline, the stress hormones. So the more melatonin and serotonin you can have, the less cortisol you'll have. You'll sleep better and you'll be able to restore all of the DNA mutations that we're exposed to during the day. Those DNA mutations are inevitable. Wi-Fi, Coca-Cola, cigarettes, Reactive oxygen species from the sun and oxygen uh, will cause free radicals to attack your DNA. And then in the nighttime, we repair those. But if you're lacking melatonin, it's a little more difficult to repair those DNA mutations. Mm -hmm. Let's stay with the light subject because you said also about the blue light, like how we are managing the blue light also. Yeah, blue blocking glasses. Ideally, we would be off our technology after sunset, but that's not very realistic in our, mm. in our reality. People are addicted or we're always connecting and connected. And so ideally, people would stop using their technology. But if they are using their technology, there are tools to reduce blue light exposure, like blue blocking glasses, which are usually orange or yellow. And some brands are more efficient than others. And there are also filters on our technology, whether it's the cell phone or the laptop. You can change the color and it becomes orangish and the intensity reduces in the evening so that you're not exposed to so much light. LED lights as well are harmful to your circadian rhythm. So all of my light bulbs I've changed to non-LEDs, that warmer, uh, warmer light. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was living in Iceland for four years, so from my experience also trying to neurohack the light, I was using the red light to kind of manage, manage the um, dark days in the night, but also white nights during the summer, you know, um, because the sun is not setting in, the, uh, in Iceland during the day, in the summertime, and I had to kind of like use the, the infrared spectrum of light from the, from the red light lamp to make my brain think it's a sunset. Uh, have you came across about the, the red light also? Yeah. I've heard a bit about it, mm -hmm. but I haven't really investigated so much. I usually go with the natural option of just connecting with the sun. And uh, for me, that works well. Uh, just nature, grounding as well, which I didn't yeah. mention. Sun gazing mm -hmm. while grounding is the best thing because of the energy transfer electrons in the earth. So the earth is negatively charged with electrons and the ionosphere is positively charged. That's why when uh, we see uh, lightning, it's the, differentiate, the differential of both. 
and so this is why you have the energy going from the ionosphere to the earth so the earth has electrons and when you connect barefoot while sun gazing you're balancing your electrons which reduces inflammation because these are dna mutations that we have as i mentioned reactive oxygen species will take electrons away from your dna and create mutations and you're repairing that with uh, proper neurology have you heard also that this is kind of a biohack for jet lag to just walk barefoot after your flight to balance everything? No, I, w I thought you, you were talking about sun gazing, but yeah, um, also just grounding. Work. Yeah, yeah mm -hmm, just to kind of because when we are in the air, also the electromagnetic field in the air in the airplanes are different. So when you're landing, especially when you're changing the time zones and when you're grounding, you're like adjusting to the place where you are oh, yeah. and balancing everything. So uh, I've been using this one also always as like to after my flight, ju just to walk for an hour or something like that to kind of like restore my <laughs> electromagnetic field in tune to the air. interesting. It makes yeah. a lot of sense. <laughs> the science of it. My aunt who's an astrologer told me when you fly, you should meditate because you're not grounded. And so this is why you, people tend to be more distracted when they land because they were not grounded for many hours. And so just to ground back, then this would also help align the brainwaves <laughs> mm -hmm. and not be so distracted. Awesome. Okay, so you said the sun gazing, uh, grounding, managing the blue light, and what's next? <laughs> uh, sound waves mm -hmm. because of entrainment. So the nervous system uh, can have entrainment from from many things, <laughs> from other people's emotional vibration, as well as sound. So there's solfeggio frequencies, there are binaural beats, and there are isochronic tones, which all have different frequencies. Binaural beats has two different frequencies in each, each ear. And this differential of five hertz will induce brain waves that will um, positively affect the nervous system. And so people can listen to that. But also if you listen to relaxing music, it calms the nervous system. So you're going from the sympathetic nervous system to the parasympathetic nervous system, from a stressed out to a peaceful um, state. And I remember once I was really stressed at work and I just put some some mellow yoga music and I was able to function throughout the afternoon and be very productive and in a more calmful or calm state. And all the sound healing, like the Tibetan bowls and the crystal bowls. Um, my friend once uh, explained me the effect of this one when we can put the water in any of these bowls and we start to play, we see the frequency. Yeah. And our body is made of water, so this frequency um, influences us the same way. So we can like really feel it uh, through our body. Yeah. <laughs> Something that's interesting uh, that I wanted to share is um, this technology called repetitive transcranial magnetic simulation. I'm going to okay. repeat that because yes. it's complicated <laughs> and long. Repetitive transcranial, so through the, through the, the, the skull. Okay. Repetitive transcranial magnetic stimulation. Okay. So this is a technology that is used in hospitals uh, to treat depression. So scientists have identified the exact frequency at which depression affects the patient. And so through a wand, they can select a specific frequency to remove the patient's depression because depression is an emotion. An emotion, every emotion has a frequency. It has a biochemical, it has a breath pattern associated to it, and it also has a frequency. And so this is a technology, but 
you are giving up your power to that technology rather than taking it yourself and meditating and, and activating or disengaging the parasympathetic nervous system yourself. We, all have, we always have the power to heal and to control our epigenetics. And so some people might need a bit more help than others so they can use this technology. But the idea of neurohacking is to be empowered ourselves into organizing our, this is why the red light, you know, um, I don't really go towards it. And some people will say, well, do you recommend taking melatonin supplements to sleep better? And I usually say that you're better off learning to meditate to calm down the nervous system, reduce the cortisol, that way the melatonin will naturally increase. Sun gaze, right? So that you can, as I mentioned earlier, optimize your, your circadian rhythm as well as change your diet to eat nutrients that have tryptophan, which is a precursor to serotonin and melatonin. Yeah, I fully agree. And as you said at the beginning, our body is amazing technology and like non-technology is so, can recharge itself without plugging into yeah. the electricity during a night, you know, during the sleep, like no phone, no computer, no car, you know, we are like perpetual mobile kind of. <laughs> A little bit and I agree like this is the high advanced technology our body and uh, yeah let's uh, let's keep going with the, with the tips and what can DNA DNA is so mm -hmm. important to keep pristine and pure yeah right? mm -hmm. um, so yeah our body is divine the and we have the power you were mentioning epigenetics that, yeah mm -hmm. so all of these tools enable us to heal our DNA to optimize it DNA is the most condensed amount of information known to man it's mm. more than any super quantum computer that Google may come up with. DNA has the most information and the most advanced technology that we can have. And so, um, so all these tips help us uh, optimize and heal it. Right? We all have the power to heal ourselves. So earlier I was talking about reactive oxygen species. I can go more into detail about this. Oxygen is, an a is a molecule of two oxygen atoms. They share electrons. And so when there's electromagnetic energy from the sun, it's sufficient energy to separate those two electrons, separate those two atoms. So instead of, instead of having O2, you have an oxygen atom with an electron that's reactive, <coughs> hence the, the word reactive oxygen species. And so this atom wants to calm down and it attacks our DNA, takes an electron from our DNA, and then you have a DNA mutation, which causes inflammation, which causes our skin to be red, for example. This is sun damage. And it's telling your body to get out of the sun because it's harming your DNA, mm -hmm. right? It's a defense mechanism. It's a signal. It's a message mm -hmm. that we're getting. So our bodies are divine and they're so ingenious. And so that's one way, but it's not just the skin, but other organs that get affected by free radicals. And so using antioxidants in your diet is very beneficial because the body repairs itself, as well as getting a good night of sleep, which the body repairs itself. So melatonin goes around and starts to repair the DNA mutations through electron transfer. And also when we sleep, we're not using any energy to move, nor are we using energy to think. And so that energy is now available to repair the body. Mm -hmm. okay. Yeah, let's talk about uh, epigenetics because um, this is, I think, kind of like a recent uh, discoveries with this one. And that shows that we are, you know, our captains of our ships and we are creating our destiny because for many years people are you know putting a blame for the diseases or anything for the genes or because my genes are like that because in my family there are this kind of genes 
where actually the science now shows that yeah the genes are just telling you which what should be your choices because through your choices you can influence your health right so yeah epigenetics is above genes like epidermis dermis i used to work in mm -hmm. medical skincare and so it goes above the story of the genes that we have so people that have the ancient way of thinking and when i was in university i wasn't taught i had to study it on my own and now it's being taught in university so things are progressing consciousness is rising so we're in charge of our genes and it would be wrong to say well i produce adrenaline because my parents produced adrenaline no you have the genes to produce adrenaline we all do but depending on your thoughts your emotions your consciousness and your perception you're going to turn on or off those genes that produce the protein of adrenaline adrenaline is a protein so the dna opens up the genes open up and then you are you have a gene that's accessible to produce that protein but if you don't need it you won't produce it and if people are like hypochondriacs their mm -hmm. level of perception is that they're always going to get sick right they get paranoid and so they're always producing cortisol and adrenaline and long term as i mentioned this acidifies the body and it causes inflammation electron transfers and so why when you can calm the nervous system when you can be out of the emotions of fear and stress and you can be in elevated emotions like oxytocin and endorphins dopamine serotonin melatonin high levels then you're optimizing the system you're reducing the chance of getting diseases the thing is that some patterns are so ingrained in our minds from our ancestors or parents or grandparents that it's hard work to undo. It's possible, and this is what we need to do, is we need to put in the time to undo that. There's another concept, a subdivision of epigenetics, which is genomic imprinting. So it's the impression. I talk about psychic impressions in my workshops and how events in our childhood mark us and they cause patterns to repeat right? and it causes our biochemistry to change. It's not just uh, mental or psychology, but it's physical. If a father tells his kid not to cry because big boys don't cry, then that young kid has a psychic impression. I can't show emotions. I can't connect with emotions. And that psychic impression then leads to an, uh, an adult man who suppresses his emotions because that's what he's learned from his father when he was a kid. Suppressing your emotions, then it, they build up, they build up, and then people explode, and then they do impulsive things. And this is why there's a lot more men than women in, in jails because men don't connect with their emotions. This is usually what they're taught by their parents, their fathers, who he was taught by his father not to connect with emotions. So we need to reconnect with our emotions, with our inner self, to be able to balance all those chemicals. But again, if that happened when you were four years old and you're not even aware that you're, not suppo that you're supposed to connect with your emotions because you were taught not to, it's unconscious patterns. How do you go about that? So those are psychic impressions. Genomic impressions are trauma and events that affect the genes and that get into the sperm or the egg even before there's fertilization. And so, you know, I, I do my workshops and ask people when they believe that they started learning. And some people have a, a pretty interesting answer and that's when we're in the womb because the emotions of the mother create biochemicals and those biochemicals get transferred to the fetus. But even before the egg and the, and the sperm have connected, they were produced by a parent who was in an environment and that epigenetic environment was activating information in the egg and the sperm. So we actually, we've, be, we've begun learning even before we were fertilized. Yes, like I actually came across a scientific research like 
pure science research that we are carrying in the genes uh, past trauma up uh, even up to five generations and they they did research on mouse actually like when they sp split the you know the the child from the parents and they were like also like feeding them the wrong way and then they have a kids and they were like checking on uh, up to after five generation how those kids are like behaving are they having dep depression are they obese and even though later kids they were like in the whole family they had enough food they had their parents they still had this this kind of trauma and this uh, weird behaviors from five generations before and I think when it comes to humankind, we can see clearly on the people whose uh, ancestors were um, during the war, for example. And I've been also talking with my uh, friends like in Europe, like we holding this trauma of the world war, you know, yeah. in we, we growing up with this, uh, with this uh, trauma around us. That's one thing, like I, I was spending lots of years in Warsaw in, uh, in Poland, when, where I am from. And you know, I, we have all kinds of parks and museums connected to the World War. So that's the one thing. And then, you know, this uh, this fear when what was happening in our ancestors' lives. So absolutely, three generations. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we are carrying this one. Yeah. <laughs> Whenever I go to Hungary, too, my grandparents are Hungarian, and from a Canadian perspective, I go to Hungary and I see people that are so cynical. But then I started asking myself, why are they so cynical compared to Canadians? Well, they had the, the Russians and the communism and the, the revolution. And before that, there was the war you just mentioned. And so in Canada, you know, the war was maybe six, seven generations ago in 18, I'm not sure when, 1812 <laughs> maybe. But in Hungary, it's, two, it's three generations ago. And so the grandparents lived with that, that, that fear and they raised their kids in a fearful environment, being very snappy, being very irritated and aggressive. And so their kids, who are the parents of the, this gen young generation, have lived through this fear and so it kind of gets passed on like the father who tells his kid not to cry the person who lived in war kind of subconsciously mm. projects uh you know anger or impatience onto their kids so yeah so h what's your advice to managing that like we need to recognize it first exactly. and then use the tools that you said like a breath meditation sun gazing to kind of disturb the pattern and start making changes is that how it would work I would recommend that or also even deeper uh, hypnosis hypnosis enables us to go into the patterns that we have that cause cycles in our lives from the psychic impressions um, there's also entheogens so entheogens are psychedelics that are used in a spiritual context or a uh, like a healing modality right not just taking LSD and going to a rave <laughs> but really having a ceremony and being accompanied there's a lot of study now and a lot of research done by medical institutions using MDMA or LSD or mushrooms in cases of PTSD to heal people. Dr. Gabor Mate is very uh, renowned all over the world for treating addiction. He's one of the most known experts on addiction. Mm -hmm. And he brings some of his patients to ayahuasca ceremonies in Peru. He doesn't lead this ceremony because he's not a shaman, but he'll bring them to uh, a proper setting where people can heal, they can understand the trauma from their subconscious minds, those psychic imprints, they can release those traumas and then they can move forward without continuing their addiction. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely, I agree with that. Um, that reminds me of one thing that I mentioned uh -huh. about addiction. I have an addiction to sugar. 
To what? Sugar. Ah, okay. And mm-hmm. every time I do sun gazing, because I'm optimizing my serotonin levels, my sugar cravings go away because sugar gives you dopamine. Mm-hmm. And so you're looking for a hit that gives you pleasure. But if you're enhancing your levels of serotonin and reducing your cortisol and your stress, then you're already in a pleasurable hormone. Serotonin is the happy hormone. So you don't need to compensate with like a short burst of dopamine. And so I noticed that my addictions of sugar naturally go away. So mm-hmm. just a little note on the addiction. Yeah, the sugar addiction, I think it's a very popular. And for <laughs> me, that's the worst drug in the world because it's legal. You can buy it everywhere, you know, like um, last days I wanted to just go. I have two shops just like across the street and I just wanted to go there to buy tomato or like cucumber, whatever, something to that I was missing on my plate. Uh, um to to eat dinner and i went to those two shops and the only thing i could buy there was chips or like you know like a chocolate, processed candies. chocolate stuff candies <coughs> and i'm like there's no food for me in these shops and like why are they selling only poison and it's um with sugar also we have a history with so-called diet f- uh, industry that was kind of uh, pushing the idea that um, the only amount of calories matter, not the source of calories. And for many years, people were just like trying to keep the calorie intake, you know, to stay slim while they were not thinking about what's the source of the calories. So they can go through the day f- with a free sneakers bars, but, uh, you know, they didn't think that they actually don't provide any nutrients, right. you know? And, um, and yeah, and my way for dealing with the sugar addiction is to make sure that uh, my plate has all that I need. There's a protein, there's a, a simple carbohydrate like quinoa or like sweet potato or something like that. And then I have a salad w- with a little bit of fruit even. And then I'm good usually. I don't have uh, cravings for sugar like, uh, like I used to have. But also the sun is super important. I agree with that. When I was living in Iceland, I had much more cravings <laughs> for sugar than here in Tulum. And it was super challenging because, you know, like the red light was okay. It was more like to manage my circadian rhythm because of this, this lack of sun in the winter and too much sun in the, too much light in the summer. But it's still... As you said, it's artificial, so it's not the natural thing. So the cravings were much stronger over there. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, all right. Do we have a next one? <laughs> <laughs> well, let's see. Maybe uh, you were talking about nutrition. I don't usually talk about nutrition in my workshops mm-hmm. because it's so personal. And so uh, what I would say, though, is that uh, hormone-wise... There's two hormones that regulate hunger, ghrelin and leptin. Mm -hmm. And so if we eat processed foods, this causes an epigenetic change. So let's say uh, you have ghrelin is what signals the brain that you're hungry and you need to eat. And leptin, inversely, is when you've had enough. And then your brain gets the signal, okay, we don't need to eat more because we're satiety. We've reached Mm -hmm. that level of satisfaction. And so let's say ghrelin has a specific shape like a like a like a an A, mm-hmm. and it connects with a receptor that's like an A. There's this contact of the hormone and the receptor, and then this induces another signal to your brain. This chain that gives the message. But if you start to um, denature 
because of different chemicals from genetically modified foods, the shape of the hormone, and then that hormone can't connect anymore with the receptor. And so the brain doesn't get the message that you've had enough food. So we keep eating and eating and eating because of this processed food, epigenetics, which is the environment and not the genes, right? It doesn't only apply to emotions, but also nutrition. You're getting a, an, an epigenetic change in your, in your body from the hormone that you should be producing properly, but that you're now blocking and then the whole connection is severed. And so people eat, they eat, they eat, and they're not getting, um, they're getting too many calories. And then it's hard to quit eating because it's a, it's a hormonal issue that you have in your body from diet. So it's important to stay away from GMOs, from processed foods and eat the most natural possible food. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with that, especially when it comes to meat. It's uh, also tested that the organic meat just has is more rich in nutrients and makes you um, makes your satiety just like working, you know, and you mm -hmm. don't need to eat that much. While when you're eating the, the processed meat, you just feel that you can eat and eat and eat because it's not making you, you fat enough. Right, and processed meat or cold cuts like ham and these slices of meat uh, have equal amounts of chemicals than cigarettes too, so they're an equal carcinogen than smoking cigarettes. This mm -hmm. is nuts. Okay. So. All right. Um, I have a couple of last questions, but I just want to make sure, do you want to add any of the things with uh, like breathing, light, something else, epigenetics, something left? <laughs> we covered some good grounds. Uh, with the topics that we yeah about. okay so if you could advise to the people one thing that they can start doing from today that will improve their day life what would it be and why being curious investigating um, because I believe that information and wisdom and knowledge can bring about change and you know we talk about these topics in order to change in order to improve change for the better but if we stay with the same information, uh, then we don't create any change. Just like the father tells his son to suppress his emotions and stop crying, he needs to learn that it's okay to connect with emotions. It's actually recommended so that change can happen and the cycle doesn't continue, you know, the toxic cycle of suppressing emotions. And so, you know, fathers can look in and be curious about that and we can be curious about our nervous system and there's so many things, right? Like I talked about sun gazing, but somebody might not like it. They'll try it and like, ah, whatever. You know, I did it for a week. I'm up to 60 seconds and it doesn't do it for me. Like it's about being curious, searching, finding different techniques and whatever works for you. As long as you can find good tools that can enhance your, your biology, your biochemistry, uh, then we're changing, we're healing, we're improving. Yeah. We're evolving. I I kind of feel that many people know what to do, but they're just lacking motivation. So the thing that you said, just being curious and be open-minded and trying things, you know, and listen to the podcast like that, where we can learn something. It's, yeah. a, it's a key thing. My intention is that, is sharing information that people will not be lazy to do the work. They'll be like, yeah, sure, I need to study, I need to do yoga, I need to meditate. But then when you explain the epigenetics and the nervous system and the impact, like, oh, I want to meditate. So then this will help reduce the resistance or you know the complacency or being lazy or not wanting to do the work or not doing any activities. The, the information brings about change. 
So mm-hmm. that usually helps. Awesome. Podcast title is Body is a Temple. What do you think about that? Do you agree? Um, yeah, I agree and disagree. To me, a temple is associated with religions. Mm-hmm. And so I would say more that the body is a, is a vessel for the spirit. And so we should take care of that vessel. You know. But religions are often uh, manipulated or used uh, not in the best ways. But the same thing can be said with spirituality. Some people use spirituality to kind of give too much uh, importance. Let's see how to explain this. Uh, so it's well understood. But we have the responsibility to change and to improve our health and our ways and our mind. But some people are so stuck to spirituality that they're kind of obsessed with it. Anything in excess is not good, right? So often with religion, that can be the case as well. And so the whole temple, religion, but the body is definitely a vessel that we need to take care of, that we need to optimize. Um, but it goes further than the body. It's the mind, it's the spirit, it's the soul. Um, you know, I believe in reincarnation. I've done past life regression therapy. I've read books by Dr. Brian Weiss on uh, reincarnation and past lives and how... We repeat patterns, right? The soul also repeats patterns to learn different teachings. And so it's more than just the body, which is a temple. It's just the whole spirit and the whole soul. Mm-hmm. Holistic. Yeah, absolutely. I think none of the extremes are are good for us. Like balance is the key word. Yes. We can't be just like super spiritual and just like uh, deny all the rest you know we are in this 3d world in this incarnation and we need to acknowledge this one too and learn to manage that Uh, if you could gain any kind of superpower overnight what would it be and why I'm fascinated by uh, psychic powers right and so um, I started developing and my pineal gland is getting developed, but one thing that I found fascinating was remote viewing. The FBI or the CIA hires, uh, and even the police in Quebec, where I'm from, they have psychics, they work for them to help them solve crimes, and they they are effective, otherwise they wouldn't be hired, they would would lose their jobs. And so these psychic abilities that we can develop are really fascinating, and so if I can continue to develop them and start seeing things that other people don't, I already have a very strong intuition in Tulum, and so I would say that psychic abilities, developing them, um, improving them, seeing auras, seeing different parts of the world live, like a remote viewer does, mm-hmm. that's pretty, that sounds pretty interesting. Okay, yeah, it does. <laughs> um, before I gonna ask my last question, tell to the listeners where they can find more about you, your programs, how they can connect with you if they want to learn more. So I have a website, but it's in French, and it's for the corporate world in Quebec. Uh, it's my name, ianherbert.com. I also have uh, an Instagram account, which is neurohackian. And um, eventually, I'll, I'll work on different courses that are that are recorded. I might might create a Patreon account. And here in Tulum, I do different workshops in, in, di- in different locations. Um, Casa Manantial is one of them. Usually, I, I can repost on my Instagram. If people are interested, as far as online, 
uh, it's mainly Instagram and the website and then I'll see what, what comes in for the future. Yes, absolutely. And of course, in the show notes, uh, people can find all the links to this one. I'm going to add them. Um, yeah, so let's just summarize our conversation. What would you say at the end to the listeners? Being responsible and in charge of our, our, our systems, right? Our mind, our body, like you said, the temple or the vessel, you know, taking care of the body, taking care of the mind, being curious, investigating and creating change, creating generating you know, aligning the mind and so when the nervous system is functioning properly then we can start being creators of our life rather than victims like in the genetics uh, point of view or um, our subconscious patterns that we're not aware of that continue creating loops mm-hmm. in our lives yeah Thank you so much for the conversation. Thank you for me. <laughs> Hi guys, thank you so much for listening to Buddy is a Temple. As I said at the beginning, your feedback is the biggest support that you can give for me. And um, it's super important for me because I'm going to through some serious challenges, you know, and, and I am really not sure how I'm going to Uh, go out of those challenges uh, with my podcast after if I'm gonna keep continue if what I'm gonna do in my life I am really thinking about going to Vipassana meditation and um, I hope it's gonna be possible and I hope I can I can be um, accepted and uh, the facility in the venue so keep your thumbs for that if you're listening to this And um, if that's going to happen, I'm not going to post a new episode in the following week and maybe also a week after um, because I don't have uh, anything recorded and I will not have time to do that. And um, and yes, um, thank you so much for listening, for being with me all the time, being my listener. Uh, one more time, if you want to share your feedback, uh, it's Kari, K-A-R-I, at uh, Kari, <laughs> that live, that art, at gmail.com. That's the best way at the moment. You will find it in my show notes. And um, if you're interested about the purchasing uh, products of the partners, uh, you will find them in the show notes. You can also support me through PayPal or through Buy Me Coffee Portal, which has a really nice and uh, teasy name. I really like it. And um, in the meantime, I hope you find your own ways to treat your body as a temple. And uh, thank you so much for listening to the podcast with me, with Kari Life Art. And I wish you a beautiful day. Thank you.